The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but righteous, the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Today is the last Sunday of the church year. Coincidentally, it's also my last day with all of you here at Church of Our Savior. It is also Christ the King Sunday, with a gospel that is particularly diaconal in nature, and I think I've preached it every year since I was ordained. And while much of the message is tried and true, Scripture has a funny way of revealing itself in new ways, as it did for me this year. It is a living word of God, after all. God didn't stop speaking to us 2,000 years ago, now did she? I don't know if it's the things that are happening in the world around us, although those things certainly make you think about how our scriptures relate to that. For those of you who came to the talk on Dietrich Bonhoeffer a few weeks ago, I imagine that you were struck by how the events of his day during the rise and fall of Hitler and Nazism made him grapple with the word of God in ways that he would never have anticipated. So what strikes me first about today is not even the beautiful gospel, which I will reflect on soon, I promise, but that we talk about Christ the King. And it got me thinking about the church and empire and the ways that the two have often intertwined 
and not necessarily in the ways that do honor to the church of God or the people of God. We know the story of our early church, a band of people who were suffering under the oppression of the Roman Empire and their Jewish collaborators. And then here came Jesus, calling them into a new way of living, of dignity, a reminder that they were infinitely loved by God, that their lives mattered. Jesus came with a very simple message, really, one that they were not unfamiliar with from their Hebrew scriptures, but had become lost in an emphasis on rules, and they had forgotten the key directive. So here came Jesus to remind them that their ultimate calling was to love one another, to love their neighbor as themselves, that all their lives were holy and worthy of care and concern, that it was God to whom they owed their allegiance, that God's ways were not the ways of empire, the ways of vanquishing your enemy and controlling their lands and their people, the ways of demanding tribute and unquestioning loyalty, the ways of subjugating others for your own enrichment. Jesus came teaching a new way of being, of loving your enemies, of doing good to those who hate you, to pray for those who persecute you or speak evil about you. And it was so countercultural, and it still is today. And this small but growing band of believers really tried to live that out in small communities where they joined together in joyful worship and then went out to proclaim the good news. But because they were countercultural and growing in number, the powers that be from time to time persecuted them. They had to meet in secret, but that didn't stop them from meeting and living as Christians who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Many were killed. Every last apostle, including Paul, were executed. Some believers faltered, afraid that they would be next, and lacking the courage to proclaim their Savior in the arenas as they faced their death. And yet, they kept growing in number. And they were ambivalent, much as we are today, about what following Jesus meant in terms of accommodating the empire. On the one hand, we had Paul, who said, Be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And on the other hand, we have the book of Revelations that pretty much see the Roman Empire as the Antichrist. But then, along came Constantine. And in 313, Constantine issued the Edict of Milan, which legally recognized Christian worship. And then, in 381, Emperor Theodosius made Christianity the only legal form of religious worship. And here began the slippery slope of accommodating the gospel to the values of empire. And yes, there have been holdouts over the centuries. The monastic movement was a response to those who saw the gospel being twisted to meet the needs of empire, to live in community as Jesus would have us live, sharing all that they had, 
taking no more than they needed, and welcoming the stranger. But Harvey Koch says that the age of faith gave way, beginning with Constantine, to the age of belief, replacing faith in Jesus with tenets about him. Emperors kept sticking their fingers into the life of the church, determining which beliefs were approved, as in our Nicene Creed, and which were not. He took control over the clergy and finances, distributing money to the church as he saw fit, and in so doing, kept the rabble in line. On the other hand, it was a relief to not be persecuted and looked down upon. As Mel Brooks once said, it's good to be king, or good to be the group in power. So what does this do to a Christian community? How does being co-opted by empire defang the gospel of Jesus? When we do things like talk about Jesus as our personal savior, it dilutes our membership in the people of God. When we have the rise of a Christian right and their work to make the United States a Christian nation, it leaves room for endorsing a Senate candidate who is accused, compellingly, of child sexual abuse. Because as long as it's in the service of becoming a Christian nation, that's okay. In our community, we have to question the actions of empire, whether it be invading a Middle Eastern country in hopes of some great economic benefit, or demonizing an entire religion and people who are suffering, or looking the other way when other countries are engaged in genocide, as long as they are our friends. Following the gospel of Jesus is hard when it conflicts with the goals of empire. So what about this Christ the King? When you hear king, do you think empire or something else? Because the Hebrew people were certainly looking for a king, someone to save them from Roman oppression. Is it any wonder that many of them took one look at Jesus and said, yeah, no thanks, yeah, not the one? When we think of Christ the King, what exactly are we thinking? Peter Wood says that the King is the one who sends you into battle, but doesn't go alongside you. They have blood on their hands, but it isn't theirs. Who stands, be who stands beside you in the midst of battle? A comrade, a brother. Who is willing to die for you? Jesus. But I suppose that Christ the Brother or Christ the Comrade Sunday wouldn't have the same cachet, now would it? Steeped as we are in the power of empire. Still we are looking for a king to come in glory, to make all things new, to reign forever and change this screwed up world we live in. But John Dominic Crossan says, the second coming of Christ is not an event that we should expect to happen soon, violently, or literally. The second coming of Christ is what will happen when we Christians finally accept that the first coming was the only coming and start to cooperate with its divine presence. I think that that is what Jesus is trying to tell us in the Gospel this morning. Christ is here, now, 
And as Paul says this morning, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. The rules of empire are not the rules of Christ. Christ stands firmly with the poor, the oppressed, and asks us to do the same, regardless of what the principalities and powers of empire do. I think Crossan gets it exactly right when he says we must cooperate with the divine presence in the here and now, because Jesus is telling us the very same thing when he says, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Jesus, our brother, Jesus, our comrade, is right here in the face next to yours, right here in your own being, too. We must not let ourselves be corrupted by power. It's an insidious thing. We see it in the explosion of sexual abuse allegations by people with power. Frederick Douglass, in his autobiography, tells the story of his Baltimore slave mistress, Mrs. Sophia All, and he says, my new mistress proved to be a woman of the kindest heart. But alas, this kind heart had but a short time to remain such. The fatal poison of irresponsible power was already in her hands. So when Sophia's husband finds out that she is treating her slaves well, he hits the ceiling and tells her to stop. And Douglas writes about the change in her good nature. He says, That cheerful eye, under the influence of slavery, soon became red with rage. That voice, made all of sweet accord, changed to one of harsh and horrid discord. And that angelic face gave place to that of a demon. Power is a corrupting thing. Serving empire can be a soul-killing thing. So today, as we celebrate Christ our King, we would do well to remember that Christ is not the King of the world as we know it. Today, we will promise to resist the evil in the world when we renew the promises we made in our baptismal covenant as we welcome little George Willem into our community of faith. We will promise to care for one another, just as Jesus has told us to do in this morning's gospel. So consider this our New Year's resolution, to be more faithful members of the people of God. So as we come to the end of our church year, it's good to remember that in another week, we will await the coming of this king, born in a stable, surrounded by beasts of burden, and shepherds tending their flocks by night, who will grow up to be an itinerant preacher, bringer of good news, who will grow up to be the one who brings the good news that the forces of empire cannot overpower. That if we follow him and hear his voice, we will hear it always in the voices of those around us. We will be moved to cast off the ways of power and surrender to the power of mercy. Look around you. Christ has come. Christ is here in our midst. Christ is the beggar at the door, the street person needing food and shelter, the refugee needing safe haven, the addict who shrouds his divine light in a haze of drugs or alcohol. 
in the prisoner who has lost his or her way, who is in need of healing of the Spirit. Christ is here now in all the mess, not in the shiny palace, and he is drawing all things to himself. And this is the hope to which we are called. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.